Amanda's Palace Restaurant in New Orleans. We're out to lunch with Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist, Peter Raschuti. It's business New Orleans style. Hi, and welcome to the show. I'm Peter Raschuti, and I'm out to lunch at Commander's Palace with two New Orleans entrepreneurs who both have fascinating startup companies. I don't think you'll be able to guess what either of them do from their names, 2D Dynamics and Chapter Spot. Now, that's the names of the companies, not my guests. That would be really strange. Chris Reed is founding partner and the chief technical officer of 2D Dynamics. The founder and managing partner of Chapter Spot is Joe McMenamon. Hi, guys, and thanks for joining me at lunch today. Hey, Peter. Hey, Peter. Great. great. I've got a true confessions. Joe was a student of mine at Tulane, so I'm, I'm one proud host here today. Uh, <laughs> back when the only way to make money in business was manufacturing, when you had to have a tangible product that somebody had to purchase over the counter, the famous saying was, how to get rich is, well, build a better mousetrap. In other words, come up with a simple product everybody wants, something that will kill mice, and do it better than everybody else. Chris Reed, you guys have come up with a better mousetrap. Around the world and in New Orleans, specifically, there are always going to be people who want to learn to play a musical instrument, including me, actually. I'm a secret wannabe guitar player, and 2D Dynamics teaches folks to play an instrument. Chris, can you give us a basic introduction to the product itself and just how it works? Well, Peter, the, the founding idea of 2D Dynamics and its, uh, uh, the concept behind it comes from actually the founder, Darren, um, where he was trying to learn uh, to play music at uh, UNO, actually. He was already an accomplished musician and he was coming to do a master's program. And of all the people he gets to play, he's a drummer, plays Jason Marsalis. And so Jason says, sits down and says, okay, kid, play. And he gets all flustered because he's like an icon. Oh, sure. And so he, he just doesn't do a good job. And he said, after this experience, he said, this is a terrible way to learn. This is just not the, the, the prep time for most musicians. And so your own experiences, if you remember this, you go far enough back and you've got the tape deck where you record a little bit of a song and then you rewind and you play and rewind and you play and you try and listen for the bass line. You're like, oh, I can almost hear the bass line, but not exactly. And so uh, millions and millions of people have learned to play this way. Nowadays, they would do it with YouTube. So somebody, will, you know, you go in and look for any instrument you can think of and there'll be somebody on a YouTube video playing the thing along. But it doesn't let you isolate the sound. It doesn't, it's not a master musician. It's just some person, some random dude playing. Um, there were a lot of downsides to it. And then there's angles to the 2D player that nobody's ever seen before. These are kind of social media oriented angles where you can record into the 2D player what you're playing and then share it with your teacher, share it with your bandmates, share it with your friends. So it becomes uh, a way of broadcasting medium between your inner circle uh, and, and other folks around you in your, in your kind of uh, general social area as well, so that you're not alone sitting in your room trying to learn to play Smoke in the Water. Instead, you're playing Smoke in the Water, sending it to your bandmates who are saying, dude, you are so slow-handed when you go into the, <laughs> into the main riff. You know, and, and these are the sorts of like concrete things that Darren had in mind. He called it an infinitely patient teacher. A teacher who will just sit there and go for as many hours as you need to go. And at the same time, one that lets you share out you're good and you're bad. Uh, so that's kind of the idea. That's pretty And it's an iPad app. So the idea is it sits on your music stand. And since it is a business, Chris, I mean, uh, how do you get paid? I mean, uh, YouTube, it's kind of free and sure. you just put it up. So the 2Ds themselves, as, as we're calling them, are both the, the videos 
So it's, it's 20 different camera angles on the band. So there's four angles on the drummer, four angles on the, on the vocalist, four angles on the guitar, four angles, and sometimes more. Sometimes there's six or ten, like on piano, there's a whole bunch of them. And that's the big frustration. YouTube, you know, you're always trying to get you a guy. you got one angle and it's yeah. always from three feet you away, you know, and you can't really see right, it. Absolutely. And so this lets you, it's done in a professional setting, and you pay for the content. So you pay a few, you know, the player's free, and then you pay a few bucks for each piece of content. And some of them, like the one we'll play for you later, is a rock song, a whole song. But then a lot of them are what we call grooves, which are more learning pieces. So they're learn how to do chords on guitar. Okay, here's how we do this type of chord. Here's how we do this type of chord. And they're all just one small little piece of content. And they're a little less expensive. And then there's full songs like uh, we've got uh, uh, Lucian Barbian doing uh, Sheik of Araby as a great example. And he's a real famous musician. And he's doing a real well-known song. And if you want to learn to play that song, there's a perfect way to learn it. And amazing with him, actually, he's such an amazing guy. He plays all of the parts. Wow. So he plays like six instruments in the thing. The <laughs> I've, got, I've been to Araby. That's as close as I can come on that song. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. They, now, when did you get started? So Darren started this, uh, I guess, almost five years ago uh, when he began his program at UNO. And then he finished it out. And he started making, actually, a, uh, a movie called Tradition is a Temple about New Orleans uh, music. Basically, it's history and it's kind of life. And this program is a product, kind of an outgrowth of his experience trying to learn music and, uh, uh, and making that movie. You know, we've had a number of guests, I always think these are the best in a way, where somebody had an actual problem and then, you know, created something to solve it for themselves and turn it into a business. That's right. In fact, actually, Darren brought this to me f about four years ago, and I, I just happened to randomly run into him at something, and he was showing me what he wanted to do. At the time, it was CD-based. There wasn't, iPads didn't exist yet. And I told him, actually, it's kind of funny, that it would never work. <laughs> and, um, and so three and a half years later, my company and I are actually producing this product that I told him would never work. But in the intermediate, Apple invented the iPad, which really is what makes this thing work. And now, now listeners are going to say, I know that voice, I know that name. They're going to know you from... Those pieces of Carrollton Technology Partners, right? right? Exactly. Okay, so the GenoInfo.com in it. That's me. Great, great. <laughs> we want to get get that passed up there. That Joe, um, you've built a better mousetrap. Uh, Chapter Spot does what we all say we're going to do when we graduate from college. We're going to stay in touch. We used to rely on a newsletter that became increasingly infrequent as the college years progressed, and, and then five, 10-year, 20-year reunions, which got progressively smaller uh, with each get-together until eventually everybody gave up. But with Chapter Spot, college never has to end, which is, would be an excellent goal for so many people. Um, Chapter Spot is an ongoing online sorority or fraternity, a sort of Greek Facebook and LinkedIn. Uh, that is, is that a fair description? Well, Myself and Brendan Fink, who is our co-founder, or my co-founder, um, at Tulane, we were both in a fraternity together, and we realized that managing this organization was really difficult. I mean, we had over a thousand different people that we had to communicate with, whether it was the active chapter, or the alumni members, or the parents, or the prospective members, um, or the people from headquarters, or the university. And on top of that, beyond having all these different members, we had a number of different things that we had to do. I mean, it's not just communicating. You had to collect, we had to collect over $200,000 in house dues and payments. We had to share files back and forth. And it was a pretty big job for, you know, a 20 or 19-year-old to be <laughs> trying to collect these $200,000 from these thousand different people. And really what we saw what we were doing is we were trying to consolidate a bunch of different apps together. Um, 
you know, we were trying to use a Yahoo listserv or a very expensive billing service that actually sends out paper statements to parents, and then we we're trying to keep a database of our membership on Excel. Um, Is it the parents that pay the dues? It depends. If okay. you have really nice parents. <laughs> okay, all right. That's something <laughs> I always wanted to know. Um, <laughs> But what we realized is it wasn't even that we had so many different apps that we were using, you know, between the Excel, you know, collecting payments, Yahoo listserv. We realized that the difficult thing about communicating with a group is just organizing the relationships or each member's relationship to that group. Because what, ha what a lot of the, the tools that are out there, they, their group structure is having one admin and a group of like members. They're just a homogenous group of members. But we're all part of different groups, and we know that each member is not a like member. You know, an active member at Tulane d doesn't want the same messages coming to him to also go to his mom. It just it just wouldn't wouldn't work. So that we realized that, gospel right the, there, that the 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 problem on the surface was that you had all these different things that you had to do. But the the, the real foundational problem is that the group structure needs to be identified and no one is really doing this. So he said, we need to create a, a private social network which it makes it really easy for an organization to identify each member's relationship to the group. And, and if you have that, from that structure, it's pretty easy then on top of it to put on all these different apps. The apps to send out mass emails, mass text messages, collect payment, share files, coordinate events. Um, and that's really what we, we did. And we said, you know what? We know the fraternity sorority space. We know that the, the problems in the fraternity sorority space aren't unique to them. They're the same problems that the Junior League has and the Girl Scouts and Rotary Clubs and Recreational Sports Leagues has. But we said, you know what? To get started, to get our foothold in, let's really focus in on the Greek space. And we just started off trying to get you know, one chapter, one chapter at one university. And we, we started off uh, you know, two school years ago, and now we have 1,600 chapters. And we've been able to hit a critical mass now where we've been able to go to the top of some of the larger national fraternities and sororities and sign exclusive contracts with their headquarters where they're actually mandating now that their chapters across the country um, are have to use this system. And so Joe, this is the real important stuff, but frankly not the reasons you're in a fraternity or in the Girl Scouts. You want to have fun, and this is kind of a, a necessary evil that you've solved here. Yeah, I mean, basically the goal is, you know, you don't become the, the chapter president or you don't become the head of you know, the Girl Scouts or the Junior League because you really like a whole bunch of paperwork. You become no. it because you really believe in the mission of the group. And what we're saying is, listen, we'll, we're going to centralize that mission and we're going to give you all the tools you need to effectively be able to, you know, communicate, collect those dues. And you can then, with, with, with our power, you can focus on your mission of, of pushing that group forward. So whatever that mission is and whatever your goals are as the head of that organization. I'm going to ask you both guys, uh, a couple of personal questions. Uh, it's, we do a little thing called the checklist. It's a part of the show where we take a little break and ask you a couple of quick questions that you probably would not find on a loan application that I think makes you a little bit more 3D. Uh, um, Chris, uh, how many days do you usually spend at Jazz Fest each year? Ooh, that's a good question. Somewhere between three and five. That's a good day. And Joe? Um, probably. Uh, you know, I, I aspire to go to Jazz Fest. Right now, I'm too focused on <laughs> too busy a business. I mean, uh, you realize pretty quickly when you start a business, especially being a young business owner, everything in life becomes an opportunity cost, and Jazz Fest just hasn't 
become hasn't hasn't hit that point where it's <laughs> it's worth it to me yet. So I do enjoy it the, the few times I have gone. But okay, we're gonna get work your life balance. Work life balance. Yeah, I know. That's what. <laughs> you know what though? When you run your own business, there really isn't. It's uh, I. You know, you, you, it's just one life. Like I think a lot of my friends are in these jobs, and they're you know they they have their work life, they have their personal life, and for me, it's it's just just one life. You know, and, uh, and that, that's I, I think that's what I would prefer. I mean, you only. Life's not a dress rehearsal, so you might as well be <laughs> all in on what you're doing. Um, well, Jim, so. let me ask you. Like, uh, let me ask you a question now. Who is your personal hero? It could be Spider-Man. It could be. It could uh, be your dad. It could be. It's my parents. Is it really? Sure. Okay. I mean, um, I think both of them in in different aspects. I mean, my mom is. Uh, in OBGYN and she's you know just in terms of a, a work ethic you know she's a she's a machine and and you know always had the time you know both of them always had the time for, for family first making sure that we're you know that's that's the number one initiative but in the same sense my mom's become very successful in in her field and my dad is just such a a renaissance guy I mean he's someone who dives into projects not you know maybe not knowing them but you know he'll, he'll roll up his sleeves and you know take on something and just just be able to get it done. I think that's between the, the work ethic and just, you know, to, to, to run a business, you just got to grind. And I think my mom really shows that she's, she, you know, no one grinds like she grinds. <laughs> Chris, um, who's your hero? Who's my hero? Oh, my goodness. That's a really good question. I don't know if I have a hero. I got a whole bunch of them. Bunches of heroes. They, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, I think of, uh, obviously, your parents come to mind. Right. I think of, uh, you know, if I think of literary heroes, I think of Hunter Thompson. Wow. Um, if I think of uh, music heroes, uh, you know, probably a more of a, probably more of a Bob Dylan kind of guy oh. in that sense. We could share oh. a record collection. That yeah. would be so great. That would I might change my answer to whoever oh. built that or created these soups. Oh, really? That's a <laughs> yeah. no, there's what a good yeah, ad that is. Good for the, uh, now's the time <laughs> to check our inbox. Our producer picks a question that comes in from a listener. And, and Grant, in this great show we've put together, what is, what's the question that's come up? I've got a lot of questions for your two guests today, Peter. Um, the one I chose is sent in by somebody called RB1967, which might be a JLID. <laughs> that could, could be. <laughs> have a lot a of our listeners are in jail. When the first cell phone came out with a camera, it was regarded as a silly gimmick that nobody really needed. Now Facebook has bought cell phone camera app Instagram for a billion dollars. First, whose idea was that to put a camera on a phone? But seriously, how important to you is bold innovation versus conservative business practices? We'll start with Joe. I mean, I think from reading a little bit about that purchase of, of Instagram, one thing that they focused on and their founder was a, a UI UX expert. So that means he was someone who focused on the user interface and the user experience. And there's a big trend right now of the sites are the sites that are working are the sites that really focus on the user's actual experience with the site. So it's less about the features and everything else. It's really how do people like using it. And that's such the key. It's trying to get inside that user's mind. And I, I mean Instagram, you know, Facebook, what is Facebook? It's a photo sharing site. You know, why would they be buying another photo sharing site? It's just because people loved Instagram so much that Facebook was willing to pay a billion dollars to protect their, their, their turf and to bring that in. And I think from our perspective, and I, I think it applies across any sort of business, it's what can you do 
to make your user's life a little bit better, a little bit easier. And if you can get inside their minds and if you can, if you can make them love what you're offering them, that's, that's the key. Revenues will come and, and you'll be very successful if you can just figure out how to focus in on, on what makes that user happy. And Chris, this is kind of requiring a different kind of business leader. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting question because in one sense, uh, you know, to riff off what Joe just said there, I think it's very Ooh, interesting. Riff's good. See, that was good. We're doing the music thing. Right, I like right. That. We're doing yeah. the music thing. I, if you listen to what Joe just said, it's a very interesting thing. He essentially said Facebook bought Instagram to put them out of business. <laughs> that's basically what he said, which I agree with. I actually don't think that's not true, which makes a very interesting form of innovation, which is to move into somebody's face, do it really, really well, and make them buy you to go away, which is actually time-honored. That's hardly a new thing. Um, but, but the thing that I think is really interesting when we talk about innovation, in, in, in one sense, innovation is uh, the kind of stuff that you, you think of when you think of like Google. You know, somebody takes a look at something like Oracle, uh, which itself called itself, you know, Yahoo stands for uh, uh, yet another hierarchical, hierarchical officious Oracle. That's what it stands for. Because that. it was one in a series of sites. There was a whole bunch of them, if you remember, in the mid to late 90s. Uh, and Google is a completely different way of looking at the world. Like, it's just completely different. That's one form of innovation that you think of and you go, wow, you see something and you go, wow, this should be totally different. The other one is where you see something that works, but doesn't work the way it should. And that's where you get things like the iPod. So the, do you remember the Rio player and a bunch of those other kind of knockoffs of that before the iPod? Well, if you, if you, I just, I'm only saying this because I read Jobs' biography recently and it started brought it to my head. One of the things in the innovation space there is Apple actually didn't invent the iPod. They actually bought most of that technology from other companies. What they did do though that was really cool was they realized the Rio and all of its competitors sucked. The user experience was miserable and nobody wanted to use them. And a guy like Steve Jobs says, I want one that I want to hold a thousand songs in my hand. That was his little line that he would tell. And so they ended up buying most of the pieces from other people and integrating it into their own, you know, product. But then they simplified, simplified, simplified. Because when you think about it, simple is really expensive. It's really, really, really hard to be simple. Because if you think about it, those old MP3 players, they had 20 different buttons. You know, they had fast forward, they had rewind, they had pause, they had play, they had, you know, search for a new song. And that's really what the iPad, uh, iPod did is it, they said, listen, you get three buttons. Three buttons. And it's strange to think that cutting out the iPhone, you got one. Yeah, cutting out all those <laughs> buttons was a way that you can make that user experience so much better. Because that's something that we're really trying to focus on as we push the, our product forward is how can we focus on making just, if you're a user and you're, you know, uh, average, you're the chapter president or you're just a new member of the chapter, or you're in uh, a new industry that we go into, like how can we make your life just a little bit simpler and a little bit easier? You know, I was uh, giving a talk and Walter Isaacson, the, the biographer there, was speaking before me and he was saying that uh, Steve Jobs, had, uh, I always like to talk about uh, Henry Ford, where Henry Ford was, was asked, you know, shouldn't you be finding out what the people are interested in? And he was always, uh, his line was always that if I asked people what they wanted, they would have told me they wanted a faster horse. That's a great and, line. Uh, and it really... Uh, I actually just read that line really this night. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I was just reading that line. Well, if you think about it, like one of my favorites is rack and pinion steering. You're old enough to remember when rack and pinion steering was an option on cars. Do you remember that? Right. And... That's so ridiculous now. Like the idea of a car that doesn't use rack and pinion steering is an absurdity at the moment. And when you look at rack and pinion, you know, it's a gear with a 
you know, a, a, a teeth and a circle that goes up and down, a corkscrew, right? It's the simplest thing ever. People built cars for 70 years before they came up with that. 70 years of building cars before somebody went, hey, why don't you do it this way? And everybody went, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so those are the things, is that you see something and it, it should be, you know, Einstein uh, said, you know, it, there's no truth you can't, ex if you can't explain it to people, it's not true. Essentially, that if it's something so complex that there's no way people can get it without extensive study, then it's probably not actually the, 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 the dead down truth. Well, our listeners get it, which is, which is what we, <laughs> we like about getting those, those come when they come in. If you have a question or a comment, uh, drop it in the Out to Lunch inbox at outtolunch at itsneworleans.com or tweet us on Twitter. We're at It's New Orleans. This is the part of the show where I usually talk about something going on with a public company, and I thought one of the most fascinating things going on right now deals with a company on Poydras Street, uh, MacMoran Exploration. We've mentioned this company in the past because of their doing their tremendously ultra-deep drilling. And everybody else drills at about 10 to 12,000 feet under the ground. They are drilling a series of wells at the 30 to 35,000 feet level. I mean, they're basically reinventing oil field science here. And uh, all the eyes of the world are on them for the next several weeks because the Davy Jones, they've named all their wells after pirates, which I think is incredibly fun too. Um, Singers. Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, the late lead singer. Good point. Good point. There's a, they, uh, uh, and the Davy Jones information. We're hoping to, everybody's hoping to get out in the next several weeks, but they've run into a lot of technical difficulties uh, in terms of drilling, uh, drilling this well and trying to get it to flow. So that is a. It's kind of interesting that the entire energy world is is watching uh, the results of a company right here on uh, right here in downtown New Orleans. MMR uh, trades on the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, that's its uh, symbol for. Mac Moran uh, trades around nine dollars a share now. It's come all the way down from sixteen since uh, the technical difficulties. So that's something we'll have to have to keep an eye on. Chris Reed, uh, Joe McMenamon, uh, thank you so much for joining us today on Out to Lunch. Uh, you're both in the early stages of rolling out what are promising uh, to be better mousetraps. I'm looking forward to keeping up with your progress, and let's get back together here around the table in a few months and compare notes on how things are going. You guys game for that? That sounds Absolutely. great. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been uh, Chris Reed, founding partner and chief technical officer of 2D Dynamics, and Joe McMenamon, the founder and managing partner of Chapter Spot. If you'd like to know how to play a musical instrument on 2D Dynamics, um, or way or how to keep in touch with your old college buddies on Chapter Spot, follow the links on our site, uh, itsneworleans.com. Our show has been recorded over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday to Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Murrell. Our web designer and digital guru is Cliff Brigden. Jennifer Smith is our researcher. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can keep up with us in our continuing adventures in Crescent City Commerce by liking It's New Orleans on Facebook, and you can also follow us on Twitter, subscribe to us on iTunes, and check out our other shows on itsneworleans.com, including Happy Hour, Mindset, True to the Game, and coming soon, Win Win. You can get in touch with us by email. We're out to lunch at itsneworleans.com or tweet us at we're at itsneworleans. Thank you for our friends at WWNO, New Orleans source for NPR News, and thank you for joining us at lunch today. Until we meet again around the table here at Commander's Palace, I'm Peter Raschuti. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com.